Good morning. Today's reading is from James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. So, starting in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is God's word for us. You may be seated. We're continuing our series in the book of James, and one of the major themes of the book of James is, what does it look like to have a faith, a faith that actually works, a faith that actually works? Not simply having a profession of what we believe, but rather a profession of what we believe that's a possession of the Holy Spirit and a transformed life that looks like something that, that people can see, that people can see. And this morning we are going to, to look, at, uh, look at something which is synonymous with faith, or at least it accompanies faith, and that is the subject of wisdom, living a life of wisdom. There's three, three things that we, we have to have if we are going to have this faith that works. That are, that's pertaining to wisdom. First of all, we need to understand what's the essence of wisdom. That's one thing we're going to see in the text here this morning in James chapter 13, verses 13 through 18. The essence of wisdom. The second thing we're going to look at is what does it look like? What does it look like? It's one thing to understand the essence, but when you see it, what does wisdom look like? And the third thing we're going to look at is where does it come from and how do you get it? Where does it come from and how do you get it? So please turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us, to give us the wisdom to understand his word and to apply his word. Father, we come to you in a spirit of humility and a spirit of dependence. Lord, we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and give us the good sense to fear you, to, to stand in awe of you. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction where conviction is needed. It would bring encouragement where encouragement is needed. That your Holy Spirit would bring uh, those who are dead in their sin into life. Lord, that they would be born again into the kingdom. And those who are your followers would be encouraged, strengthened. Uh, Lord, that we would bear fruit in keeping with wisdom. Lord, we pray that you would accomplish your good purpose through the reading and through the preaching of your word. We pray that Christ is exalted this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, first of all, what is the essence? What is the essence of wisdom? So, we're going to do a little crowd participation here. So, if you have a smartphone or cell phone, uh, please take it out. And here's what you're going to do take out your phone and text Grace 100 to the number. Two, two, three, three, three. And then when you hit send, uh, it, it'll, it'll take you to a specific place. And you'll, whatever you type, we'll, we'll see everyone's response uh, behind me, in theory, hopefully, if the technology works. So, so text GRACE100 
to the number 22333, hit send, and then answer today's question. Now, here's the question. Are you ready? Here's the question. What's the first word you think of when you hear the word wisdom? What's the first word you think of when you hear the word wisdom? So wisdom, what comes to mind? One word answer. Text it. Hit send. Got it? Some of you play with your phone all during the sermon anyway, so this shouldn't be any, it shouldn't be a stretch, right? Some of you actually text me while I'm preaching. So I know that you're capable of doing this. Ready? So let's see. What's the first word you think of when you hear we knowledge, learning, applied, experience, experience. By the way, the larger the word, the larger the word, that means more people are, are typing that in. So that becomes the most popular. So, so far, experience wins out over God. <laughs> experience, experience, smart, humility, right, person older, learning, balance. Grandpa. Well, grandpa's wise, right? That's probably what that means. Teeth. Seriously? Okay, wisdom tooth. I get it. I get it. Brooks, thank you. Thank you. One person, maybe. <laughs> You're deluded. Okay. Humility, difficult. So that you have a whole bunch of things here. So knowledge. It looks like knowledge is number one, at least in this group. We'll see what happens in the sec- second service. So knowledge seems to be the most popular answer. So you hear wisdom, you think knowledge. Or you hear wisdom, you think God. Well, that's good. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. When you hear uh, wisdom, you think experience or understanding. Those are the, those are the biggest ones. Those are the biggest ones. So uh, let's, let's move on here and let's take a look at what does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? The essence of wisdom, what is it? We know what we think of when we hear the word wisdom, but what Do the scriptures say the essence of wisdom is? James says this, who is wise? Who is wise and understanding among you? So it's a question here. Who is wise and understanding among you? And then he says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Notice that the number one response is knowledge, followed by God and then understanding. Now, you, you do need to know something. There needs to be content for you to be wise. So it's not that, that wisdom has nothing to do with knowledge. But wisdom is rarely equated with meekness. I did see the word humility pop up there, but it wasn't a big one. James says if you want to be wise, if you want to be wise, you need to, you need to have meekness. Meekness, the essence of wisdom. It's not the acquisition of knowledge, but it's the exercise of humility. It's the exercise of humility. The word meekness, it's the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Let me read that again. Meekness is the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. Wisdom is the ability to rightly respond 
to all of life circumstances. This is something we talked about, I think, in the first sermon in the book of James, because James leads off with the, with the, uh, the subject of wisdom. It's, it's the ability to respond rightly to life circumstances. It's not the acquisition of knowledge. You can be incredibly intelligent and an absolute foolish person. So it's, it's, there's not a one-to-one correspondence between knowledge and wisdom. There is a one-to-one correspondence with meekness and wisdom because the meek person, the humble person, submits themselves to God. They yield to the Lord and therefore they are able to rightly respond in righteousness regardless of whatever circumstances they face in life. That's the essence of wisdom is to do rightly and, and to do rightly requires a spirit of meekness, a spirit of humility. Okay, now, let's move on. We have the essence of it. Let's talk about what it looks like. Let's talk about what it looks like. And before we get to what it's looked like, let me ask this question. Would you consider yourself to be a wise person, yes or no? What do you think? How many of you are thinking, this is a trick question? How many? It is and it isn't. Okay, here's the deal. If those of you who hear this question, are you a wise person, and you respond in the negative, no, well, what are you saying? I'm a fool. There's nothing meek about me. And I don't have the fear of the Lord. Okay, now, when I put it that way, some of you are like, well, I'm not that. So probably more than likely, most of you are willing to say, I have or display a degree of wisdom. There are times I am foolish, but there are, are times when I do, I do act in meekness and I do yield to the Holy Spirit and I do submit myself to the Lord's will and I do respond rightly. So I wouldn't say I'm a fool, but I'm growing maybe in wisdom. That's probably many of you. That's probably many of you, but not all. Not all. There, there are some who would respond negatively and say, no, I... I would not classify myself as a wise person. Some of you actually believe that the only purpose your life serves is a warning to others how not to live. Now, you laugh, but this guy on a limb here with a beer in his belt, you may feel that the purpose of your life is only to serve as a warning to others. Now, many of you have been on that limb before. Many of you have been on that limb before and you have taken that saw and you have destroyed relationships with people by your own folly. Many of you have been on the edge of that limb and you have ruined yourselves financially. You have ruined yourselves in terms of relationships, in terms of all sorts of things. There's lots of ways to be foolish. And some of you, the consequences of your decisions have cost you and those you love dearly. And you might be in a situation right now where you're looking at your past life and your past foolish decisions and the people you've hurt and how you've hurt your own, your, yourself. And you're thinking to yourself, no, you know, Brooks, if I'm honest, I, I've lived the life of a fool and I'm, I'm, I'm reaping what I've sown. And I, I, don't, I don't see how there's any coming out of this, there's hope. Put the saw down, climb out of the tree. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and the essence of wisdom is meekness, it's humility. So here's the good news. If you've sawn that limb off 
and you're at the base of the tree and you're a shambled, you're a broken mess, there's good news because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and the essence of wisdom is meekness. You can simply say humbly to the Lord, I've blown it. I've blown it. But today's a new day. And the gospel is given and offered to even those who have put themselves in a situation where you are suffering the consequences of poor decisions. So that's the good news. That's the good news. So what does it look like? Say, okay, I want to grow in wisdom. I want to acquire this wisdom. What does it look like? Let's take a look at the text, starting in verse 13 through 16. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works. Okay, this is a theme repeated throughout James. You have faith? Great. Show me your faith. That's something we looked at earlier in chapter 2. Faith has works. If it has no works, what kind of faith is it? It's dead faith, which is no faith. So wisdom, wisdom is the same. Who is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Wisdom looks like doing something. It looks like living rightly, responding to various circumstances in righteousness. So that's, uh, that's what it looks like. Let's keep reading here. But there's a contrast. Now, here's what James does. James starts out with, here's what wisdom is. Here's what wisdom isn't, and he ends with here's what wisdom is again. So he's going to go into a series of negative comments about, well, what wisdom doesn't look like. He said, but if you have, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Okay, let's just camp here on verses 14 and 15 for a second. Bitter jealousy. If you have bitter jealousy, what is bitter jealousy? You know what it means to be bitter, right? You know what it means to be jealous. To, bitter jealousy is, I'm bitter because I'm not on top. I'm bitter because I'm not on top. And then you pair that with what comes next and selfish ambition. Well, selfish ambition is, is displayed by a life that does everything in order to get on top. So if you have bitter jealousy, you're bitter that you're not on top. If you have selfish ambition, everything you do is aimed at getting on top. And what James is saying is if you have those, if you have those, he says, do not boast and be false to the truth. What does that even mean? Well, first of all, don't boast. That seems self-evident. Don't brag about the fact of how wise you are. If you have those traits, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, you shouldn't be boasting about your wisdom because that's the antithesis of wisdom. But what does it mean when he says, and be false to the truth? If you have those things, don't brag about those things. Don't brag about your wisdom because that's not wisdom. And don't be false to the truth. What does that mean? Be false to the truth. I think what James, what that means when I read that, if you have those characteristics, own it. If you have bitter jealousy right now, if you're bitter and you're jealous or there's selfish ambition in your heart, instead of boasting about how humble and how meek and how wise you are, just own it and don't be false to the truth. Just say, you know what? I'm selfish. I'm ambitious. I'm bitter right now. I'm jealous right now. And I'm, 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 my mentality is that of a fool. 
Own it. Own it. That, that's the beginning of meekness. When you're able to own something which is negative and, and, and speak truth to yourself and admit the truth, that's the beginning of meekness. For quite some time, I was out of the pulpit. First three months of having a, a, an injured back, and then I went on three-month sabbatical. The sabbatical was way more enjoyable than the surgery and the injury. But on sabbatical, I began to think about, I have lots and lots of time to think and to pray. And, and so I was reading the Bible, not so that I could prepare a sermon, but so that I could hear from the Lord. And, and, and I'm getting in touch with, with some of my own demons, if you will. Not literal, not possessed, but my own struggles. And, and one particular... One particular morning, I'm reading the word and I'm, and I'm asking the Lord, Psalm chapter 139, verse 23 and 24, search me, O Lord, and show me if there's any wicked way within me. And I began to think and I, and I was, I, know, I just began to think about all the people that had left Grace Community Church over COVID. You remember COVID? Anybody remember COVID? Remember that? Back when we required people to wear masks. Back when we didn't open, maybe as soon as some other churches did. So after COVID, hundreds of people that used to come to Grace Community Church, they stopped coming. They just go somewhere else now. These are people that I've known for decades, some of them. And I began to sit there and I began to just, I was just honest with myself. How do I feel about that? You know, I resent that. There was bitter jealousy in my heart and I had to own that. I equated being successful as a pastor with, with having everybody that comes to the church approve of me and the policies of Grace Community Church. And well, when they didn't come back, it was clear they didn't approve. And so I was struggling with that. So I have a choice. At that moment, I have a choice on sabbatical. I can own the fact that I have bitter jealousy and that I resent that or I could put it all on them. What's a meek, humble person who's wise do? Okay, Lord, I'm filled with bitter jealousy and selfish ambition right now. That's the beginning of meekness. There's a breakthrough then. Once I go to the place where I'm willing to not be false with the truth, but just to own it, now change can take place. Now I can come to Calvary. Something that Steve Oliver read from, from Knowing God, I can't remember the exact quote, but J.I. Packer was saying, you have to understand that God knows you exactly as you are and everything you have done, everything you will do, and he still draws near to you. God is not shocked by your, your bitter jealousy. God is not shocked by your selfish ambition. That's why Jesus went to the cross. So that's what it means to, to not be false to the truth. And then he says, this is not the kind of wisdom that comes down from above, which is, which is a gift from God, which is of the Holy Spirit. No, contrast that with, this kind of wisdom is earthly. Uh, earthly means it's a narrow perspective that discounts the realm of, of, of God's kingdom and his will. So earthly wisdom, it, it factors out, it factors out God's realm and God's will. By the way, what's the wisdom of the world? It is earthly. In fact, our culture more and more says if any wisdom is derived from a spiritual source, by default, it must be ignored. Would you agree with that as a culture? That's dangerous. That's dangerous. That's earthly. He also says it's unspiritual, meaning it's divorced from the influence of the spirit. 
It's divorced from the influence of the spirit. Furthermore, he amps it up just a little bit. He says it's demonic. Now, think about that just for a second. Here's what James is saying. The person who believes they are wise and the product of their wisdom has nothing to do with God or his realm or his will. It's, it has nothing to do with the work of the Spirit. It's purely, it's purely man-centered. He said that's ultimately demonic in origin. Now, some of you are thinking, that sounds a bit harsh. Is James saying that those people that don't follow Christ are Satan worshipers? No. And, he's nor, and some of them are actually better people than some of you. Here's what I mean. They're nicer. They're kinder. But, but the wisdom, the wisdom that comes from that worldview that, that disassociates that there is a God and that we are under his realm, that worldview is inspired by Satan. It's demonic. Just quickly turn back to James. Or James, we're in James. Quickly turn back to the third chapter in the book of First book of the Bible, Genesis. Let's just take a look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Notice that, that the tree was desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and they ate. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew that they were, they were naked. So she saw, Adam saw that this tree, according to the serpent, this will make you wise. What will make you wise? If you, as a person, if you step out from under the oppressive yoke of your creator, declare yourself as autonomous and independent. You as an individual should be self-determining. You should determine what is right for you. You should determine what is wrong for you. Don't let anyone, including the creator of the universe, don't give them the right to speak truth into your life. You're a thinking being. Use your head and you determine what is right. You determine what is wrong for you and you chart your course. That is, by definition, demonic. And that is the characteristic of the wisdom which our world says is wisdom. It is unspiritual. It is uh, characterized um, by, uh, by a divorcing Divorcing ourselves from the realm of God's rule. And what's the fallout? Verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Do you want to know why churches split? Because of demonic wisdom. 
Do you want to know why families fall apart? Because of demonic wisdom. Do you want to know why our culture is a complete disaster? Because of demonic wisdom. And demonic wisdom is not satanic in the sense that they're actively thinking about Satan. But no, it's, it's, it's that they've divorced. We've divorced ourselves as a culture, as individuals. We've divorced ourselves from what true wisdom is, which is the spirit of meekness and submitting yourself to a sovereign God whom we are not. And, and we see the fruit of that. You see the fruit, the fruit of that everywhere where there is disorder. And by the way, this is not just out in the world. You see disorder in the church, in the body of Christ. For, for a list of what that disorder looks like, you can turn to Galatians. You don't have to turn there now, but just make a sub note. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through, uh, I think, 21, where the works of the flesh, that's, that's what it looks like. Arguments, strife, clamor, fits of rage, malice, all of those things. All of those things which characterize human relationships when there isn't meekness. When there isn't meekness. Okay, so that's what wisdom doesn't look like. Let's transition and, and James brings this, he starts with what wisdom is, what it isn't, and he's going to go back to, okay, now here's what it looks like. Ending on a positive. But contrast that earthly wisdom, that unspiritual wisdom, that demonically influenced wisdom, contrast that with the wisdom that is, now where's the source of this wisdom? What's the text say? Where's it from? It's from above. It's from above. This is, this is not human-derived wisdom. This is wisdom that comes from God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the fear of beginning of wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above is, first of all, Pure. First of all, pure. Then peaceable. It, it gets along. It seeks harmonious relationships. When a person is ex exhibiting the spirit of meekness and humility, that person is a peacemaker. A peacemaker. They're, they're not someone who is stirring up clamor and division and discord. They're peaceable. They're They're gentle. They're gentle. This word here, gentle, the Greek word, it means not insisting on every right of letter of law or custom. It mean, means to be yielding. How many of you by nature are a yielding person? No hands go up. There's one. Okay, good. One person. But that's what gentleness is. A gentle person is naturally yielding. Naturally yielding. What else does it say? So there is peaceable, gentle... Open to reason. The, the, the Greek word that's translated open to reason, it literally means easily persuaded. How many of you struggle with having to be right all the time? Okay, four or five of us. Okay, if you have, if you have a natural disposition to have to be right all the time, you're not easily persuaded. And as the person who is speaking is trying to persuade you, their lips are moving. What are you thinking? What I'm going to say next and I'm not listening to anything they're saying because my job is to convince them. I'm not easily persuaded. Now, here's the problem. Those of you who have that demonic kind of wisdom and think it's Christian and think it's righteousness, you equate being easily persuaded with being gullible. And therefore, you dig in your heels and therefore you won't listen. And that's why your relationships suck. <laughs> that, that, that's why 
you, you're always, the common denominator in all of your garbage relationships is whom? You. It might be you. It could be everyone else. Just on the outside, we've got to entertain that as a plausible reality, right? Or it might be you or me. If all of my relationships are characterized by strife, it could be that I'm not gentle, I'm not peaceable, and I'm not open to reason. Let's keep going here. Oh, full of mercy, full of mercy. That goes back to James chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. James demonstrates that a person who loves mercy has love for their neighbor, and that shows itself, it shows itself in action. So the person who is uh, uh, full of mercy seeks, to, seeks the good of others. And then good fruits, you can see the product of wisdom. You can see this wisdom, it's this fruit of wisdom in their lives. And I... And it's impartial, going back to James when he says that don't be partial. It's equitable. It treats everyone the same. It's impartial. And, and, and also it says it's sincere. It's not a surfacey wisdom that's done for, for others just as they observe. It's, it's, it's the essence of your desire to be, to be a follower of Christ and submit yourself in meekness to him. So when, when someone cuts you, you are Christ-like all the way through, not just on the surface. You're not pharisaical and you clean the outside of the dish, but you're not concerned with the inside. You're not concerned with the inside. That's what wisdom looks like. That's what wisdom looks like. Okay, so we've seen the essence of wisdom, that it's meekness played out, humility played out. We've seen what it doesn't look like and what it looks like. Right? Okay, now here's the, here's, the, here's the big question. How do you get it? How do you get it? Where does this wisdom come from and how do we get it? Go back to the very first verse we looked at. Back to verse 13. Let's take a look at it. Who's wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness, in the meekness of wisdom. Okay, now... This might, just follow here, this, this might be tough to, tough to get your head around, but let's just jump into it. Meekness is both, it's both. It's both the path, it's both the path to, the path to, and the fruit of wisdom. In other words, it's a prerequisite for wisdom. Meekness is a prerequisite. You cannot become wise without meekness. It's also produced by wisdom. How many of you don't find that helpful at all? How many of you are thinking, you're thinking to yourself, this is the chicken and the egg question. If you're saying it is simultaneously a path to wisdom and the fruit of wisdom, and I'm not wise... I kind of feel like I'm on the outside and I, if it's something that God gives me as a product of wisdom, but yet it's a prerequisite for wisdom and I don't have it, I'm toast. You, you see that, right? If I don't have any chickens and I want scrambled eggs, where do I start? It doesn't help to say that, that eggs and chickens are both a path and the product of omelets, it doesn't help if you don't have any eggs or you don't have any chickens. So if you don't have wisdom, if you're that idiot at the base of the tree with the saw and the broken limb and the broken leg, and you're like, I, that's not helpful. 
Let me tell you something else that's not helpful. Just because I like to just rub your nose in it just a little bit, it's fun. If you are unwise, ready? This won't be helpful. Stop being foolish. And start being wise. How many of you found that immensely helpful? Okay, I could have said that in the first 10 seconds of the sermon. We could all pray and you could all go eat at Bluebird or wherever your favorite after church diner is, right? We could do that. That doesn't help. It doesn't help me to tell you. It doesn't help me for someone to tell me, Brooks, stop having selfish ambition. Stop with the bitter jealousy. Just be humble. Well, in the one sense, we're commanded to be humble. We're going to see that next week as we look at James chapter 4. But how do I become humble if I'm not humble? How do I become meek if it's not a natural, natural thing for me? Where does meekness come from? Go back to verse 17. It won't be on the PowerPoint. But wisdom that's from above, where's it from? It's a gift. It's not something you manufacture. It's something that God gives to those who desire it. It is a gift. It's a gift. You remember back in the first couple sermons of James? James does not ever explicitly spell out the gospel like Paul does. Paul takes 11 chapters to exhaustively explain what the gospel is in the book of Romans. James knows his readers already know it. And he refers to it with little words and little phrases. So wherever you hear these words and phrases, think gospel in all its glory. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Stop being selfish. Selfish ambition and, and bitter jealousy. Put that stuff away. He said, well, how do I do that, James? Well, receive them with, with what? There it is again. Receive with what? Meekness. What are we supposed to do? There's something to receive. There's something to receive. And there's a manner in which we're supposed to receive it. What's the something we're supposed to receive? What's it say? It's not a trick question. I'm not trying to fool you. What are we supposed to receive? The implanted word. What is the implanted word? Which is able to save your souls. This is the implanted word. Are you ready for the implanted word? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Let me break that down just a little bit more. For God so loved the overarching sea of humanity who had bought wholesale into demonic wisdom, believing every single one of them that they're divorcing themselves from the oppressive realm of the creator to determine right and wrong for themselves on their own would somehow be a good choice. But that very choice is the definition of sin. And the wages of sin, Paul says, is death. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all bought wholesale into this demonic wisdom, which is characterized by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. But God so loved each and every one of those selfishly bitter, jealous people that his son, who was in very nature God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. 
but he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. Do you get that? Jesus Christ humbled himself. Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke the world into existence. He's characterized by being gentle and lowly of heart. He himself was meeker than any human being who has ever lived. And yet there's nothing that we look at and we think that there's nothing meek about the creator of the universe. And yet he's the meekest man who ever lived. And that's why Paul says, have this mind in you, which is yours in Christ. Have the mind of Christ. What is the essence of Jesus Christ? His mentality, meekness. That's the word of, that's the implanted word. That's the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is that whether you're the idiot on the end of the tree with a saw or whether you have been following Christ for years and occasionally you, you have a little bit of jealousy and you have a little bitterness, whatever, the degree of your mess might be different, but the essence of humility and the essence of wisdom is the same. It begins with receiving this implanted word. It begins with receiving this planet. That's the start of wisdom. For some of you, you have not yet chosen to begin following Christ. You haven't yet submitted yourself. You haven't yet received him as your savior. The apostle Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, now, now is the day of salvation. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. What does it mean to receive the grace of God in vain? Here's what it means. It means that you see that Christ offers you himself. You see that Christ offers you himself. He offers himself to you. He offers you grace. He offers you mercy. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you the fruit that comes from trusting in him, including a pardon, including righteousness, including heaven, including all those things. And, and yet, to receive the grace of God in vain is to say, I'm not ready yet. By saying, I'm not ready yet, you're saying, give me one more day to figure this out on my own and determine for myself what is right and what is wrong. Give me one more day to walk in this demonically inspired wisdom which is divorced from the realm of the kingdom. I'll figure it out on my own. You won't. That's just one more saw on the branch. One more saw on the branch. Put the saw down. Receive the grace of God. Not in vain, but in the spirit of hope that Christ would give you himself. And he will to all those who call in the name of the Lord. Paul says, they will be saved. Call in the name of the Lord. And for some of you, that's your first step in this journey of faith. And for the rest of you, you say, well, I already made that decision. I've been, I trusted Christ 10, 20, 30 years ago. I trusted Christ last week. It's, it's the beginning. This meekness is the starting point in wisdom, but it's also the perpetual fountain of growth in wisdom. There are going to be times when you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to see, there's a person full of selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. Well, don't be false to the truth. What does James say? Don't be false. You know the guy in the mirror? He's full of better, bitter jealousy. Lord, I'm full of inner jealousy. I ask you to search my heart. Show me, show me what I'm believing right now that's not consistent with who I am in Christ. And, and walk that out. That's what it looks like to be wise. It doesn't look like perfection. It looks like not being false to the truth. And when you see that demonic wisdom welling up in your heart, and it does... 
because we still carry around this body of flesh. Whenever you see that, whenever you feel it, don't be false to the truth. Admit it and then come back to Calvary. That's why John says in his epistle, in 1 John chapter 1, whoever says they're without sin is deceived and the truth of God is not in them. So don't, don't pretend like you're not selfish. Don't pretend like you have no selfish ambition. Confess your sins because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what it means not to be false to the truth. And that's what it means to be meek and to be humble and to receive the wisdom that's from above. We don't create it. We receive it and receive it through Christ. As we close in prayer this morning, if... If you need wisdom and you're that guy or that gal on the end of the limb and just every day is just one more stroke for you and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. We'd love to pray for you. Come forward, ask for prayer or just ask someone to pray that's next to you. If, if for you, you want to receive Christ, take a step of faith and call out to him and receive Christ and tell someone, come forward, Talk to me, tell us, tell, tell one of the other pastors, or tell the person you're with. I want to begin to walk in wisdom. I want to receive Christ today. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your humility, that you being in very nature God, you didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, a thing to be grasped, but you took the form of a servant. Thank you for taking the form of a servant. Thank you for taking our sins to the cross. I pray that you would stir in the heart of someone here today, multiple people here today, that they would make today the day of their spiritual birthday where they would receive you as Savior and begin to walk with you in righteousness. Lord, not in perfection, but in your power, Father. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for mercy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Go in grace. And we will see you next week.